Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to or watching, as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about faith healing. You know, I hear a lot of stuff about the age of miracles, a lot of debate about whether or not there are still miracles today and this, that, and the other. And there's a there's an argument that I think that people make, and in my opinion, it's an argument that proves too much. And it's the idea that, well, in today's time, the charismatics, the, the Pentecostals, they say that if they try to do a miracle, if they try to perform a miracle on you and you're not healed, then your faith wasn't strong enough. And if you look at in the Bible that the people that came to Jesus or that, that the apostles did miracles on, it was to produce faith and not because they had faith. Well, that sounds really, really good, except it just doesn't track. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I'm like, is that the case? Can I find a place in Scripture where Jesus did a miracle in which he talked about the faith of the person that was coming to him for the miracle? Okay, um, we, uh, Femi, I appreciate your commenting here. But we do not allow advertisements on the page. I, I just don't have a way to. Um, I just don't have a way to uh, to vet those things. So I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you commenting. But um, I don't know. Like you, you've got a you've got a, a a phone number to a to a Zenith Bank and. I just, I can't, I can't let you do that. That's not what the page is for. I appreciate you being here, but that's not what the page is for. Now, is it the case that um, the healing that Jesus did, and even some of the healing in the New Testament, is it the case that it was contingent upon the faith of the individual? Well, the answer there is no. Jesus and the apostles could do miracles and perform miracles and healings on people regardless of their faith. But to make this blanket statement that all miracles were done regardless of the faith of the individual that was coming to Jesus for the miracle or coming to the apostles for miracles, that's that's got to be false on its face. And let me tell you why. Matthew chapter 8 exists. I'm going to start reading here. And good afternoon, everybody that's in the chats. Thank you so much for tuning in. Missy Malone, good to see you. And Diana Merritt Harden, good to see you. Now, before I get into this, understand that I'm not saying that, um, well, first off, miracles, the, the age of miracles is over. I'm just, I've been having these thoughts and I wanted to, I wanted to give us a better foundation, maybe a different way of thinking about things and talking to people, because I think what happens is we end up destroying a straw man, and nobody does any good just by destroying a straw man. And the idea is, what I've heard is, well, the charismatics, 
they think that you're, the miracle is dependent upon the faith of the individual, and it's not. Therefore, the charismatics are wrong. I, I don't think that's a good logical progression to that conclusion. The conclusion the charismatics are wrong, that's a good conclusion. But I don't think that's the path we need to use to get there. Anyway, let me, let me read from this chapter uh, in Matthew, and then let me make a few thoughts. And here lately, I've been, I've been liking uh, lengthy reading, so I'm just going to read this. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And of course, that's referring to Deuteronomy chapter 4, or chapter 24. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, Go, and he goes, and to another, Come, and he comes, and to my servant, Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you, many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed at that same hour. Now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw that his wife's mother, he saw his wife's mother laying sick. So he touched her hand and the fever left her, and she arose and served them. I'm going to, I'm going to stop there, because I think this, this lays the foundation of what I want to talk about. The, the leprous man and the centurion. Now you might be able to make the argument, well, the leprous man, the Bible doesn't say that the leprous man had faith. But it surely implies that the leprous man had faith. Listen to it. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him. This leper acknowledged Jesus as deity incarnate upon the face of the earth. What do you call that but faith? In fact, that's the definition of faith. That's what we want to instill in people today that Jesus is the Son of God, God in the flesh. He died for your sins, was raised again on the third day, and you can take advantage of that because that was the culmination of God's scheme of redemption. And this wonderful plan is now authored, it's finished, and we can take advantage of it. Now, do you believe that? Yes, I do. 
then take action upon that. And your belief coupled with your action is defined as faith because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, of not seen. You you don't have evidence of my belief. I can just say, hey, I believe that Bigfoot exists. How do I show you evidence that I believe Bigfoot exists? Well, I show you plane tickets to Oregon. I show you the bumper sticker on my truck that, 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 that's acknowledging Bigfoot as the hide-and-go-seek champion of the world. I can show you all of these things because I can show you that I've taken action. There is a physical manifestation of this metaphysical concept of belief that is faith. So this leprous man believed something And the action he took was to come worship Jesus. Then we can kind of backwards uh, reverse engineer that, and we can say, well, his belief must have been that Jesus was worthy of worship. Therefore, the leprous man must have had faith because the evidence of this not thing not seen, you can't see his belief is manifested in his action. The belief is is manifested in action. The action is the worship. And then he has an ask. Hey, you know, if you if you wanted to, you could heal me. And Jesus says, not only do I want to, but I heal. But I but I but I will heal you. Here it is, you're healed. Now, was that miracle contingent upon the leper's faith? Could Jesus have healed the leper if the leper did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God? Well, the answer is yes, absolutely. And just like the charismatics draw more conclusion than the evidence presents, uh, whenever they say that the leper was healed because of his faith, then we don't need to draw the conclusion that... um, Well, I've lost my train of thought. I've lost that thought. We don't need to make the argument that it was only to produce faith to do miracles. It was it was to it was to produce faith to produce to to do miracles, but it wasn't necessarily to produce faith in the person that was wanting the miracle or that received the miracle. Don't you think that some people who saw that leprous man cleansed, they believed that Jesus was the Son of God because of that miracle? Now let's talk about the centurion. It is explicitly stated in the text that the centurion had faith. In fact, Jesus said, let me see. Verse 11, Jesus said, and I say unto you that many will, well, hold on a second. Yeah, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. That's, that's verse 10. So this, this centurion had faith. So the miracle wasn't to produce faith in Christ for the centurion. What was the purpose of this miracle? Well, Jesus was working in a very public way, and the fact that Jesus was doing these miracles was to produce faith in others. I think now I've got this thought solidified in my mind. I think what I what what I hear this argument from our brethren is that 
Well, the reason for miracles was to produce faith in the person that was receiving the miracle. I don't think that's a, a statement that is true in every, in every circumstance. I think the statement that can be said is the purpose of miracles was to produce faith in people. In other words, the people that were gathered that saw the miracle, the miracle would engender faith from their standpoint. The miracle would engender faith in Christ in their minds, in their lives. But, the, but, but many of the people that Jesus performed miracles upon, who were the recipients of miracles, who were the recipients of healings, they already had faith. And one of the reasons they were able to, to receive a miracle is because they did have faith. If the centurion had not have had faith, if the leper in Matthew 8 had not have had faith, they would not have come to Jesus petitioning him for the miracle. They already had faith. The, the reason the miracles were done was to show other people the power of the Son of God. You know, I think about maybe a 21st century application of this is why do we help one another in the Lord's church? Why do we bear one another's burdens? It is for edification to build the church up. But also, we want other people to see, hey, this group of people, they love each other, they take care of each other, and although I might have my doubts, I'm looking at how these people treat one another. And I'm beginning to believe that there is something of substance to this idea of Christianity. You know, somebody asked me one time why I did what I did. Why are you a gospel preacher? Why are you living like this? Why are you living in accordance with the rules, commandments, precepts, divine examples of God's word? Because even, even if I were an atheist, I would live this way because it's a better way to live. But I happen to believe that this message, this, this religion is substantive and is founded in the truth because of the things that I've experienced, because it is a better way to live. And I don't think man himself could come up with this way of living. I think we have seen throughout history that if you leave man in charge, that the world devolves into chaos. And the divine logos, the divine logic, the word inserted into the world is order and peace, the opposite of chaos. And to me, that is testimony that Jesus is who he said he was while he was on earth, that God exists, and that I need to believe that God is and that he is a rewarder for those that diligently seek him. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this truth that the centurion acknowledged and that Jesus acknowledged. Listen to this. <clears throat> Verse 7 of Matthew chapter 8. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Well, the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. 
This was the paradigm of thinking of the centurion. Why did he think that way? Because he understands the rules of the universe, folks. He understands what it is to be an obedient servant. And he understood that he was talking to the master. And the master has dominion over all things. So just like the centurion, who is able to say, I am a man under authority having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. All you have to do, because you're in dominion over all things, is say, do this, or be healed, and my servant will be healed. So I'm asking you just to exercise your authority in this. Jesus acknowledged this mindset as faith. So often, faith is distilled down to simply a feeling or a mental assent that Jesus is who he said he was while he was on earth. But in reality, what is acknowledged here in Matthew chapter 8 by Jesus from the centurion, that I'm a man of authority, and I say to, to one of my servants, go, and he goes. I say to another of my servant, come, and he comes. And I say to another of my servants, do this, and he does it. I know what it means to be in authority, and I know what it means to have good servants underneath you. Because I am a man who's under authority. Well, you have authority overall. Therefore, how do we interact with you? Well, Jesus, what, what he's saying here, Jesus, if you say go, we are to go. If you say come, we are to come. If you are to say do this, we are to do this. And Jesus said, he marveled, I've not found a, such a faith any, anywhere even in Israel. Well, that is in perfect harmony with what our brother James writes in James chapter 2. Let's go over there and check it out. All right, James chapter 2. I'm going to start reading in verse 15. Nope, 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to him, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give him the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? In other words, you have to have actions associated with your beliefs and convictions, or else you don't have faith. Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. That's virtue signaling. And we're told that all the time. In fact, somebody might tell the centurion, oh, you're not faithful. You're just a rule follower. You just, you're just following orders. You don't have any faith. And I would, I would contend that the centurion would, re, would reply, oh, you say that you have faith, but I'll show you my faith by the orders that I follow. I'm told to go, and I go. I'm told to come, and I come. I'm told to do this, and I do it. Thus also faith by, its, by itself is dead if it does nothing. Anyway, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there's one God you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. Do you not know? Do, 
But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Do you want to be called the friend of God? Listen, we we use this, we have this idea of these charismatics, and we focus on trying to disprove them. And I think we I think we take on too much territory. I think we make an argument that's um, that proves too much. Therefore, it proves nothing at all. Uh, we say, well, in the Bible, miracles were done to produce faith. Sometimes they were. But also, sometimes miracles were done because of a person's faith. And certainly, we have two examples in Matthew chapter 8 where miracles were done because the people had faith. And you might say, well, Tony, Jesus could have, could have performed those miracles regardless of the faith of the leper and regardless of the faith of the centurion. Yes, he could have. But he wouldn't have, and I'll tell you why. Because the centurion nor the leper, either one, would have come seeking those miracles because their faith brought them to the locale where a miracle could be performed. Their faith brought them to the location of the miracle to be performed. So when we talk to the charismatics, maybe we don't devolve into that kind of argumentation. If we challenge a charismatic and they say, well, you know, I I tried to do a miracle on you, but your faith just wasn't strong enough. Instead of getting way deep into this idea of is the miracle dependent upon my faith or anything like that, maybe, maybe this, again, this is why I do these podcasts so I can order my thoughts. Maybe the proper response is to go to Matthew chapter 8 and say, look at this. These two miracles were done because of the faith of the people. But how strong did their faith have to be? These people, because of their faith, came to the source of the miracle. That's, that, that's, as, that's, that's as strong as their faith had to be. My faith, in order to receive a miracle, scripturally, doesn't have to be any stronger than the fact that I believe that it can be done. That's it. So if you talk to a charismatic today and you challenge that person, he says, well, your faith is not strong enough. Maybe you ask, Exactly how strong does my faith have to be before I receive a miracle? Because what we can see in Scripture, the, 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 the model in Scripture, is there were some people, I mean, think about the woman with the issue of blood. He said, your faith has made you whole. Your faith only has to be strong enough to believe it's possible to believe God can do it. 
the miracle itself is not contingent upon your level of faith. Maybe that's the way we need to argue. Anyway, I've, I've heard a lot of crazy stuff. And I know that this podcast today was, it was a throwback back to the early days when I started doing these Cogitations podcasts where I just sit down and start talking into the camera and I order my thoughts as I'm talking. And that's what I've done today. And I'm really glad that, that you have sat here. There, there's four or five of you in the live stream. I'm so glad that you sat here and listened to it. And you, and if you're listening to this on Podbean, Apple podcast, Spotify, or TuneIn radio, thank you for listening because I think now I have this ordered in my head better. When I talk to a charismatic and we talk about the role that faith plays in miracles, I would concede and say faith plays a large role in miracles. Now, let's go see if, if God says that miracles are something that could happen today, and then we would go exegete Scripture. You know, we would go to Acts chapter 8, where Simon saw that by the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, he offered him money. That, that in order to do a miracle, someone had to have the hands of an apostle laid on them. And if you, didn't have, if you had the hands of an apostle laid on you, you couldn't then turn around and give somebody the ability to do miracles separate and apart from the apostles. So therefore, in, in, in just by default, if there are no apostles alive today, which there's not, then there's nobody around to be able to do miracles. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, study about that which is perfect. What is that which is perfect? Well, it's the closed canon of Scripture. It is Scripture that furnishes us unto every good work. I no longer need miracles. The world no longer needs miracles. Go to Acts chapter 13 with the proconsul and Paul. The, the, the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, Paul was trying to preach the gospel unto him, but this sorcerer, so-called, was standing in the way. Paul strikes that man blind. He, Paul performs a bona fide miracle in front, of the, uh, in front of the proconsul, and the scripture says the proconsul marveled at the word. The proconsul was more impressed with the word than he was with the miracle. So I hope that I've said something here that's, that's whetted your appetite for more study. I hope I've said something here that has wrinkled your brain in some way. And maybe if you're ever talking to your charismatic friends, you might have some arrows in your quiver that you wouldn't normally have. Remember, you can find examples in Scripture where uh it was faith that healed these people. It was faith in Jesus. And we have two in Matthew chapter 8. We have one with the woman with the issue of blood. There's no way around that. So how do you, how do you deal with that and how do you talk to charismatics? Well, just ask them the question. Exactly how strong does my faith have to be? Because the analog for the 21st century, if the charismatic church claims to be able to do miracles, and I go to a member of the charismatic church who claims to be able to do miracles, then my faith is as strong as the lepers and the centurion. 
because based on what I believe, I have gone to them and I have gone seeking the miracle. Something to consider. Folks, I think I'm done. I really appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you listening. I hope I've given you something to think about, and uh, I hope you would consider checking out all the ways you can support me uh, for doing the podcast. Remember, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Be the algorithm for us. Share the live stream. And uh, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. And uh, yeah, for Christianity Now. Anyway, for Cogitations, this has been Tony Brewer. And uh, we'll catch y'all on the flip side.